That's right, everybody. Brooklyn Paper Radio, starring the great Gersh Kuntzman, that's me, and the equally good Vince DiMaselli to my right. We got a different producer tonight. We got Jimmy in the studio tonight. Jimmy, just say hi to all our fans out there. He's got a man of few words. Jimmy. Yeah, I didn't even put his own microphone on. Anyway, yeah, we got a great too. show, and I know I say that every week. First of all, Vince, you look great. Thank you, Gersh. I was saying, if you were out there in the open market, you'd be doing great. I gotta lose five pounds. You're just about five pounds. Anyway, we got a great show. We're gonna talk to, and we're gonna keep playing the song. We just love keep the it going. song. Keep it going. Is on loop? Just keep it going. Just keep the song. There you go. Jimmy. Just say it again. What show is this? Brooklyn Paper Radio with the great Gersh Kuntzman of the Failing Daily News, flanked on my right, of course, by Vince DiMaselli, handsome man of the Brooklyn Paper. Gotta lose five pounds. Only five. Yeah. And I gotta tell you something. I mentioned you last night. I was in the owner's box at City Field, which I used to call Shea Stadium. I was mm-hmm. in the owner's box with Jeff Wilpon. Jeff Wilpon. That's the younger Wilpon. The younger Wilpon. Who? How's as his know, dad doing? His dad was not there. Okay, he's getting and, up there. And I literally said, Jeff, uh, you know, you know me as the dean of the Cyclones press corps, and we're going to be talking to Tom Gambo, a former manager of the beloved Brooklyn Cyclones, later. But I said to Jeff. You know me as the dean of the Brooklyn Cyclones press corps. And he said, of course I do, Gersh. <laughs> he shook my hand, gave me, a, gave me a Shake Shack burger. And I said, so why don't we bring Tebow, and that's, of course, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow, yes. To Brooklyn. We need him. We need him. We need him desperately. As you know, he's doing okay in the Class A level. And as you know. Wait, I thought they moved him up to double A or something. I don't believe that. No. Oh, okay. They took him out of rookie and they put him someplace else? No. He's in full season A. And as you know, the Cyclones are short season A. Right. But, but... So that would be a bit of a demotion. Not when you're playing in the big city, baby. So that's what I said. To, now, this was an off-the-record conversation, which I'm, I'm now breaking that agreement because so many so much time has passed and nobody cares. Right. But I said to Jeff, why don't we get Tebow in Brooklyn? It would it would do so much for Brooklyn. It would, it would do it would do wonders for the team spirit so over there because the team spirit is, has been crushed by the long baseball season and, and lots and lots of losses. And that's when Jeff said to me, yeah, but what about Tebow? It would be a demotion to him. And I said, no! That's where you're wrong. That's where no. you, Tebow, if and he God are wrong. In, he can come in and be the savior of the Brooklyn Cyclones this season and just start hitting balls out of the park, and all of a sudden they go on a tear. How could that be bad? Well, anyway, just thought you should know that I was in the owner's box last night at City Field. I had a great time. Thank you. New Did York you have Mets. a hot dog? Did they have hot dogs? They had a hot dog for my son, Ben. I had a Shake Shack burger and sushi, believe it or not. Just one of the many benefits of working at the Daily News, Gersh. I, the I failing Daily News, yes. There are some perks. Now, okay. I would be remiss if I didn't open the show the way I always do by saying, Vince, you were on vacation. You went to New England for I went a to New weekend? England again. No, I went for an, an the just for a weekend, which that's is... A, that's a mistake. It is a terrible, terrible mistake Why? because basically the entire weekend you're driving in the car. Because to get to Cape Cod on a Friday night, yeah. it's going to take you a good eight hours. You had to pull into Greenpoint just to get dinner. I did. I pulled into Greenpoint to get dinner at Le... 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 It was, it was Bastille Day. A French restaurant called Le Fond. Le Fond. Le Fond, meaning Le the bottom. F- the bottom, which is not a good name for a restaurant. Well, the bottom? If you're an ass man, it's a great name for a restaurant. I guess I guess that's the case. But no, we Jimmy enjoyed... Like, we Jimmy, enjoyed Jimmy our liked that one, by the way. We, we our enjoy- new producer, Jimmy, liked that one. <laughs> we enjoyed our Bastille Day meal. And my son ordered the, uh, the rabbit ravioli. Rabbit ravioli? Yeah, he said, excuse me, did you say... Rabbit ravioli? And the waitress said, yes. And he said, I'll have that. Now, just let the record show, Jimmy, uh, and we can put a picture up. Uh, Vince made a little pause there. It's kind of a, uh, a nice little pause, like t- a quizzical pause, which we can't unfortunately recreate on radio, but it was very it was very appropriate. Well, it was a boy's face. I want to share with you something before we get into our big show. Yeah. So I'm picking up my son from camp yesterday. Okay. Literally, we're in Prospect Park. So he goes to camp in Prospect Park? Yes, he does. Goes okay. to Camp Half-Blood. A woman comes over to me. She's got a dog. I figure maybe she knows me from the neighborhood. Maybe she knows me from somewhere else, if you know what I mean, Jimmy. I hear you. And she says, are you Gersh Kunstman? I'm saying, no, I'm not only am I Gersh Kunstman, I'm Gersh Kunstman. <laughs> and she says, well, you know who else should go the F away? I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I know what she's talking she about. She says, you, Gersh Kunstman. I'm like, what? And she's hitting me with my Hillary story. I That's wrote right. for the Failing Daily News about three months ago after Hillary had complained about that the Russians caused her to lose, which I still dispute, and I was a Hillary supporter. She says, your article was harvested. She starts screaming at me in front of all the kids. In front of the kids, she's screaming kids. at you? And then it, she ended with... I, Did the coach intervene? Because no. the coach is supposed to say, hey, guys, no. let's take it easy over there. She didn't even let me get a word in edgewise. And at some point, I tried once, and finally she said, and you know what? You're just a hack. And, I li- and that's when she paused, and I said, well, you know, there's really no arguing that. And she said, you bet there isn't. She stormed away as if I was arguing with her. I really didn't even raise my voice. And then, today I pick up NewYorker.com. That's NewYorker.com. Not the failing NYDailyNews.com. NewYorker.com. And I click on this link, 
And believe it or not, yeah. there's a story. I'm going to read the headline, Jimmy. Can you put this up, by the way? Go put that up, Jimmy. It's from The New Yorker. Daniel Kibblesmith says, It's time for Hillary Clinton to gracefully bow out of public life along with all other women. Now, granted, it's a shouts and murmur. It's a joke column. But you know what? There's that sentiment is out there, Jimmy. But, you know, they say that comedy is just, it's, it's just, it's fact. No, and c- comedy is just Gersh Kunstman plus time. <laughs> and I got nailed. So if you're listening to me out there in Prospect Park picking up kids at Camp Half-Blood, find that woman and tell her, you know, you were a little rude to Gersh Kunstman. You were rude to Gersh Kunstman. Because you're entitled to your opinion. I told her that repeatedly. I begged her to write a letter to the editor slamming me. I said, literally, would you please write that in a letter? Please. Please, for the but, love of God. But don't be rude. Because first of all, I'm a wonderful guy, charming guy. People love me. Some do. Some, some, well, yeah, not my former employees, as I'm finding out. But some yeah. people love me. And I did write the article, and I say, fine. Fine. Write a letter to the editor. I will print it. I will make sure. You know, they print pages and pages of letters about what an asshole I am. Yeah. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. We got to move moral, on. Moral of the story, don't drive to Cape Cod just for the weekend. If you're going, I'm talking three, four days, you got to be up there because it's hell. Right. I mean, it is just hell. We got to get out. We have breaking news. Uh-oh. I'm calling out to Lauren Gill. I don't know what that is. That reminds me. I saw, like, sometime over the weekend, I saw one of those bad movies with Kurt Russell and Steven Seagal. Wait, is is that Gill? Oh, Lauren Gill. Lauren Gill, we have breaking news. Can you please come into the studio? Yeah, be there in a second. That's great. So uh, where's she gonna sit? She's not even. Do Jimmy, we have a mic for him, her, Jimmy. What are you doing? Yeah, Jimmy, just give her that. Jimmy's one. set it up for. Her. Yeah, why don't you bang that down? A we have four microphones now at Brooklyn Paper Radio. It's not like the old days. Oh, great! All right, yeah, Lauren Gill, have a seat. Lauren Gill, Gil, I gotta to say Jimmy. something. I gotta say something before she sits down. Lauren, you are a young reporter yeah. with great renown and probably the best young talent who has worked at the Brooklyn Paper since Ben Music. And that is saying an enormous amount. Is that that's plugged in? Are you going to put those on? And we got give her some headphones. Breaking uh, news: Lauren Gill, give it to us straight. What is going on with the raccoon in Fort Greene? Go! You got to turn the microphone toward you. Toward turn that mic. There you go. Yeah. Oh, it's no, it's turning. Well, no, it keeps turning. It's Clinton Hill, which a lot of us used to call Fort Greene. I've never. I always. It always gets me crazy to watch people trying to work with microphones and they can't figure it out. She's like you ever go to like some? She just has to no, move. You ever go to like 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 you're watching something on television and then the microphone's like way too high and it's like the people are afraid to touch the microphone. Yeah, you got to touch the mic. They, they, they think it. it's going to explode or something. All right, there she's got okay. it. Right. It's a got piece it. of dynamite. So, did it, did it, did it, did it, what is the breaking news out of Fort Greene? So there was a raccoon in Clinton Hill this morning. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Morning. This morning around 7:30 a.m., uh, it was apparently walking down Fulton Street. And it was hanging out outside of a pastry shop, and then it camped out on top of an air conditioner, and apparently it was being aggressive when people were trying to uh, corral it. Let's be clear. Raccoons do not understand when people are trying to save them. Is that correct? That's probably correct. They don't know that you're actually trying to save them and not hurt them. Wait, who said anything about saving it? It's out there in, in Clinton Hill. Who tried to save it? Well, at first... Construction workers from a site across the street were trying to save it by putting it into a cardboard box, but it quickly outsmarted them and yeah. ran away. Yeah. And apparently, it was hissing and standing on its hind legs. Those things are oh, oh, oh. They're it. cagey. They are cagey. You can't just put them in a box. No. no. You can't put baby in a corner. All right. So they tried to put it in a box. So then it got out. Yeah. Baby in a corner. It's from Dirty Dancing. Yeah, you got to. I, I mean, if you, you haven't seen that movie, you got to see that movie. I know the phrase. Okay, fine. Um. So then. <laughs> Not the movie. <laughs> Not the movie. I heard the phrase. <laughs> All right. So they tried to put the... What happened to the raccoon? Should, is this going to have a happy ending? They killed the raccoon? Unfortunately, yes. They did kill the raccoon. Happy ending, everybody. There you go. All right. Thanks, Gilly. <laughs> no, was it rabbit? It was rabbit, right? They don't know. They're testing They it. can't know if it's rabbit. They never know if it's rabbit until it's over. Until They, well, they got like, to like cut the brain into I know, tiny but some slices. Of the, some of the warning signs were there. Obviously, the raccoon, which is nocturnal, was out during the day and was acting what? That's you, an old wives' tale. It was distressed, tale. though. Wait, first of all, old wives are pretty smart. That's an old wives' tale. Okay. It was distressed and dehydrated, someone said. Wait, who, who said they that? They can't. They don't know. <laughs> it's thirsty. Give it it's some hot. water. It's hot. All right, so <laughs> what happened? So long story short, the, the rabbit, the, the raccoon is dead. 
Yes. All right. Thanks for sharing that story with us. Lauren Gill, everybody. What a downer. Yeah. But apparently so many people were taking pictures of the raccoon that you would have thought Beyonce was there. Wow. I was this, told. Has this become like a social media phenomenon? Has it gone viral? Has this rabid raccoon gone viral? Not yet. All right. Well, do what you can. Get out there. Back okay. into the newsroom. Thank Big you. fan. Lauren Gill, everybody. Can we get a little... Can we get a little... Wow, there it is. Thank you. Well done, Johnny. Wow. All right. Listen, that was a big story. That was. It's big now, stuff. if you're just tuning in, we just spoke to Lauren Gill we, about the crazy raccoon in Clinton Hill. We are going to be speaking as part of our Inside Baseball show. Uh-huh. Vince, maybe you want to explain the concept of an Inside Baseball show. Well, the thing about Inside Baseball is a lot of times you want stories to get out there because they're important. Yeah. But when you actually start doing the work on the story, it seems like it's, it's so technical and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that no one's going to be interested in it. You well, know, like, give me an example. Well, an example is like they, they talk about. Oh, they gotta they gotta go out and and petition for this. Okay, yeah, good you point. know, petition the Lord with prayer. I don't know. Well, that's a Doors reference. Well, there wow. you go. They, they, you gotta go out and like in say, order to get on the ballot, you right. need to collect four hundred fifty to three thousand signatures. And then there's all the mach- machine mach- machinonic. There's a lot it? of Deus Ex Machina to do it. Yeah. I did a whole story for it for the Failing Daily News, and that story actually did pretty well. I know. Well, I guess in the in the new days you can actually count up who's reading what and see it. But in the old days, you never knew. And you'd get into these stories that we would call inside baseball stories, again, that were important, but we didn't really think anybody was reading them. Well, but if you sell it as an inside baseball story, like, read this story, eat your vegetables, sometimes you like vegetables. Sometimes you, yeah, I like broccoli, personally. we're going to take a commercial break, but after the break, we're going to go to Dick Dady, who, as you know, is head of Citizens Union. That's the good government group. And we're going to talk about Councilman David Greenfield's scandal, scandalous departure from the city council after the petitioning. You talk about inside baseball. After inside petitioning baseball. so that he could handpick his selector. No, successor, not selector. He successor. could select. He will be the <laughs> selector of his successor. Thank you. So we got to take a break. Let's get a little of that taking a break, paying the bills. There music. you go. When I get Dick Dady on the phone, I'm going to ask him, Dick, you're an old guy at this point, right? And he's going to say, yeah, I'm old. I say, well, maybe you should see. Maybe you should think about staying in your home as long as possible rather than having your kids put you in a freaking nursing home. You don't want that. That's why I have, Vinny, and you should get a Village Care Max. It's a Medicaid-managed long-term plan. Works with your doctors, your landlords, whatever, so you can stay in your home as long as possible. You, don't listen to me about it. Just go to villagecaremax.org or call one 800 469-6292 because Village Care Max lets you live the life you want to live. Yeah. I worry about those things sometimes, but I'm more in the moment. And in the moment, I'm worried about my teeth. Oh, you should be. That's right. But that's why the dentist and skilled hygienist at Dr. Joseph Lichter's state-of-the-art office, I'm very happy to report, use the most up-to-date technology and techniques to provide you with the best experience possible. And he's doing it at low, low prices. Gersh, you need Zoom bleaching? I do. $395. That's like nothing. You need an implant? No. $1,250. You want Invisalign? I do. That's the braces that go behind the teeth so you can't see them? $39.95. And greatest thing about Dr. Joseph Licker, he is the official dentist of the New York Riveters of the WNHL. That's the Women's National Hockey League team. If you look at these women, you would never know they were hockey players by their teeth. You know why? Because they go to Joseph Lichter? That's right, because of Dr. Lichter. You can call Dr. Lichter's office today at 718-339-7878 to set up an appointment. He's out there in Midwood. He's at 1420 Avenue P. I don't know what that noise was. Avenue P between East 14th and East 15th Sounds like you should spit. There was something going on there. Spit, Vince. It was like, peak. (laughs) All right. I didn't pop my pee. I I cracked it. We got to get out. I cracked my pee. Dr. Lichter, give him a call. Let me do something before we bring in our next segment. I got to get Colin Mixon in here. He's a young reporter with a great renown. Is it renown or renown? Yeah, Colin Mixon, can you please come into the studio? We have to. We need you. All right. Colin Mixon's coming in because he's the one who's working on this story. The story, in short... Here he is, Colin Mixon. And not to get too inside baseball. No, don't get too inside baseball, Colin. But in short, we're about to call out to Dick Dady, but we want you, a top-notch reporter at a young age, just give us the literally the elevator pitch on what is happening with Councilman David Greenfield. 
so Councilman David Greenfield. Now please talk into the microphone. Excuse me. Uh, Councilman David Greenfield has announced that he's not seeking re-election. He's done so after an important deadline for filing petitions for new candidates that you have to do in order to be on the ballot. Yeah, that's what I understand. What, what is it? What is he talking about, Gersh? No, I, I'll allow it, Councilor. Keep going. Go. Okay, and so because he's in doing that, yeah. he's he's essentially uh, prevented any kind of. Uh, Contest in the upcoming election. No one and else can run because there's no time to get I mean, these it, signatures. Nobody, I mean, people could have filed petitions, but nobody wanted to because David Greenfield is a fairly powerful person. He's well-funded. He's an incumbent. You have very little chance coming in. Uh, so you're saying when everyone thought that David Greenfield was running for re-election, no one was going to run against him. That's right. Because they didn't have a shot. Yeah, they didn't have a shot. But had yeah. they known he wasn't going to run for re-election. It would have been, yeah, you would have seen a lot of candidates coming into the Literally a frenzy. I, I covered yeah. a race in Queens, an open seat. There's like six people running. Yeah, open seats is where you really see democracy. That's democracy in action. Yeah. So how can this be legal? Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Well, uh, there's there's two things going on. First of all, you can um, announce that you're not seeking re-election after the petition filing deadline. And then beyond that, you can um, name your successor. And that uh, You name the person who's going to run right, in not, your state. Not your successor in this yeah. in this case. That's so this person is his de facto successor. But you, have you name a, a sub. Uh, you create a committee which names a substitute in the event that you die or yeah whatever. Well, that has happened. Candidates have died. I can understand that people die. Yeah. yeah, it's called or, a committee or illegitimately. Just just die. to play the uh, the inside baseball card, it's called the committee on vacancies. That's right. The names of those members of the committee and indeed the chairman of that committee, in this case David Greenfield, is on the petitions. That people are signing, but nobody ever looks at that part because you think, well, I'm signing for David. And then I don't think he's just going to drop out. After Why would he drop out? He drops out, and that committee picks who is going to run in his stead. That's and right. in this case, he picked. Uh, he, he hasn't named anyone at this point. He That's not true. He's That's actually not true. Oh. He has has picked, he picked Yes, someone? he has picked an aide of his who actually was already running in a neighboring district and decided, you know what? I'm not going to take so on. So he has named Jaeger? Yeah, is that right? Has, yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, if you should read the paper. And as I said, he's named this guy who's an aide of his who was running. I haven't seen that. Who had that? Look, I read it in the Failing Daily News, so it's got to be true. I think the Daily, the daily News was, um, people were speculating that it would be Jaeger. I don't think he's named anybody yet with the Board of Elections. <sighs> Vinny, can you look this up? I'm while doing I, the while research I school, now. While I school the young man. Please. Anyway, he's named his aide who was running against Chaim Deutsch. In a contested election, and not an easy race to win, and this guy says, oh, well, now that my boss is dropping out, I'll just go and run in that open seat against nobody. That's right, yeah. So joining us right now, I'm going to reach out to Dick Dady, and stay oh, with us, Colin, because you can ask some questions. I'm going to reach okay. out to Dick Dady of Citizens United. What's the other guy's name, who Gersh claims he named? Just look it Colin up in the Daily Yeager. News. Yeah. Spell it. That's K-A-L-M-A-N. Yeager is Y-E-G-E-R. I thought you were saying Max Yeager. Max Yeager. Don't steal this phone number. Don't steal this phone number. Dick Dady, a legend. Oh, that's great. Great. So we did it again. All right. Let me try it again. Get down nine first, Kurt. I did. I did. You keep talking. I'm I'm trying. Oh, I know what I did. I dialed hash mark first. What do you think (laughs) hash mark? (laughs) Because I'm looking through a screen. All right. Don't steal this number, anybody. A oh, Brooklyner is reporting just in. Kalman Yeager is Greenfield's replacement for City yeah, Council. Yeah, there you go. Oh, they got it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Brooklyner is reporting that. Not Hello, this is Dick. Dick Dady, this is Gersh Kunstman along with Vince DiMaselli and Colin Mixon on Brooklyn Paper Radio. Sir, you are live on the air, and it is a pleasure because you are a legend of good government. Thank you for joining us, sir. We got him there, Jimmy? Dick, you there? I'm here, but I can't hear you very well. That's weird. I will yell even louder than I normally do. Anyway, we're joined by Dick Dady of Citizens Union, a legend of good government. You're on the air with Gersh Kunstman, that's me, Vince DiMaselli to my right, and of course, young reporter Colin Mixon. How are you, sir? Doing very well. Thank, uh, you. thank you very much for having me on. Well, no, Dick, no, no. Don't thank us, because we're going to thank you now and at the end of this segment, because we are talking about the hot issue of David Greenfield's apparent, and I say apparent just so I won't get sued, apparent misuse of the whole Committee on Vacancies program, which we've just told our readers about. Tell us what you think about da- about Greenfield's timing of announcing he won't run for re-election after 
the deadline had passed for someone to actually run. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, let me start by the, uh, saying that uh, what he did was egregious, uh, but he didn't misuse the process. I mean, okay. the process he, he used the process in an egregious way in that he uh, was not transparent mm. about his intentions to be considered uh, for another job. I mean, he basically told his constituents that he wanted to be uh, their council member for the next four years, which is why he was running for re-election. Uh, but then he opted out on the last day possible mm. for him to be able to step aside and uh, have this hand-picked committee of three uh, who are then hand-picked to successors. So essentially, um, there's a lot of hand-picking that's going on uh, in this process, uh, none of which involves not one voter. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it doesn't any, sound any very democratic. And, and, and this is the and this is the inside game of politics that is played all too well and too frequently here in New York City. That really turns all of us off. Well, but hold on a second. Now you now you've just you've just gone after New York City. I have to imagine other cities have a provision for say if a candidate were to die during an election, there's got to be a committee to pick yeah, a yeah, successor. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is this is New York State law that any candidate running for election or re-election uh, needs to have a committee on vacancies in the event that something should happen to that candidate, uh, death or terrible illness, or they become unavailable to run or uh, 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 run uh, for this particular office. There is this committee uh, uh, to fill vacancies that actually appears on the petitioning signatures uh, that voters signed to put a candidate on the ballot. And they have the power to essentially pick a successor should something happen to the nominee, mm-hmm. that a nominee whose, name's ap- whose name appears on the petition signatures. And so it, it's just not in New York City, but it happens all throughout the state. And in this case, Greenfield's committee uh, is having to replace it because he is opting to take a job with a Jewish nonprofit uh, poverty group, which uh, people are obviously welcome to do, but you as a good government person would have wanted them, him to be more transparent. In other words, tell his voters, hey, listen, I may not actually be running. I'm up for this big job. Because by not being transparent and telling uh, his constituents that he may not run for re-election and that he may opt to use this uh, procedure that would allow uh, a very good friend of his and colleague to run in his place, uh, he basically froze the field. I mean, he, he, he did not in giving no tip of his hand, uh, he kept out any potential challenger from running for this race. Yeah. And therefore, the voters are not going to have any choice, meaningful choice at all, yeah. uh, because it looks like uh, his successor uh, is going to face no competition in the Democratic Party primary. He's going to have a free ride. Free ride. Free ride. All the way to uh, the city council. And it's all uh, because of one legal. hand-picked. And as Colin, uh, as Colin Mixon has just pointed out, it yeah. is 100% legal. Now, I brought in Colin Mixon... To this segment, uh, Dick, just so I could ask him this question. Colin, what is Greenfield saying at this point when hard-nosed reporters like you and my colleagues at the failing New York Daily News say, hey, Greenfield, why didn't you do this before the deadline? What is he saying? So I reached out to his office and I spoke to his chief of staff. He, David Greenfield is humbled to accept the position uh, of leader of the Metropolitan Council of uh, Jewish Poverty. Okay, but that's all well and good. And you asked the follow-up question, what about the deadline? What did he say then? Yeah, and he said that uh, Councilman David Greenfield is humbled Mm. to accept Mm. the position as leader of the Metropolitan Council. Council but but you persisted probably a third time, mm-hmm. and what did he say the third time? Oh, uh, the third time um, I got the response that David Greenfield is humbled, ah, humbled. Okay. to serve as leader of the Metropolitan Council on Jewish Poverty. So, Dick, when you hear that a guy st- just completely steamrolls a reporter asking a legitimate question, one in which you've raised as well, how does that make you feel about government in New York City? Well, I think they, pl- they play as for fools, um, but we're not fools. Yeah. Uh, we're civic-minded New Yorkers who participate in uh, the daily life of our city. Uh, we want to be taken seriously, um, um, but they show us no respect when they take such actions. Um, and this, uh, you know, creates voter angst. It creates voters who don't want to participate because they feel feel like the fix is in no matter what they do. Uh, so they don't participate in elections. That's why we have such a low voter turnout uh, compared to the rest of the country. I mean, New York State uh, has uh, voter turnout that actually places us in the bottom 5% of states in the country uh, with uh, such low voter, voter turnout. I call it that we have, we, we talked, you know, last November there were a lot of talk about all these southern states that were suppressing voter turnout. We actually have a, we're a passive voter suppression state mm-hmm. because we have um, vehicles in place like this one here uh, that keep the voters out entirely, um, and it's legal. 
And so uh, we need to update our, our uh, voting systems and, and give empower New Yorkers to be uh, the kind of voters that we want them to be and getting rid of all these sh- shenanigan opportunities, uh, which is why, if I may do so, uh, take the leap of faith and connect it to a state constitutional convention, ah. which is why we need to change these laws, uh, change these uh, uh, precepts in the Constitution that allow for greater voter engagement. Can but I this is question? Question? Dick, um, would, would there be any problems with... Um uh, changing it, changing the, the rules for elections so that uh, incumbents have to... It's very difficult for all of a sudden, and there's a lot of scratchiness uh, when you speak, so I can't hear oh, what people sorry. are actually saying. So would there, be any, uh, would there be any problems that you see with changing the laws governing elections requiring incumbents to you know, announce whether or not they actually intend to run uh, several months before the petition deadline? I mean, there, do you see any problems with that? requiring them to do that yeah um i mean i think you know uh i don't have a problem with that i think that um it's presumed that a um first term four-year member of the city council is going to stand for re-election to a second four-year term because that's the only uh term that they're going to be allowed to serve in because there's something we can do to prevent this from happening i think there's a presumption that uh, unless you hear otherwise they're running for re-election which is i think the case with all of them i mean we had Jalissa. Uh, for Copeland announced somewhat surprisingly that she was not going to stand for re-election because of her obligations were failing. Um, but that was a rare instance. Uh, but I see nothing wrong with asking them to do that. I mean, when they uh, start to distribute petition signatures uh, in the middle of June, that is a sign that they are running for re-election. I mean, there's no clear uh, indication that they're running for re-election when, uh, but, uh, when those um, petition signature, uh, signatures are out there and, they, and the various campaign workers for these elected officials are trying to stop you from going about your daily business uh, by asking you to sign a petition to put them on the ballot. So are there examples of uh, other states where they do this differently, where this isn't allowed? Or, I mean, it just seems like this is something that they're, uh, that, that's set up by, that's by design, you know, so yeah, that... I mean, there are other, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's a very good question. I don't have a answer to that other than to say that I know that some states have a similar system, um, but that uh, other states have a much more open system where uh, the Committee on Vacancies is not necessarily controlled by um, the uh, nominee, as yeah. it is with David Greenfield, but controlled by other uh, uh, people not affiliated with the nominee so as to prevent, and so as to, as to be able to present a uh, candidate that may not be connected yeah. to uh, the, the former nominee. Uh, there also, you know, th- there may be given more time to uh, allow uh, people to petition on the ballot, or they restructure the election in, in a way that allows for other candidates to come forward and participate by maybe saying lowering the, the petition signatures or extending it by a week and say if anybody's out there that wants to run, they can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so. There are, there are other ways in which they can be allowed to do this, uh, but New York, this is this is this is a throwback uh, to the. Uh, long, it's, this is evidence of a long tail of Tammany Hall politics. It goes way back into the 1800s. Uh, this is about you know political party control of the electoral process, um, where you know the politicians control the rules of the game because they want to ensure that they uh, can be reelected without any threat. Uh, it's why we have low voter turnout. It's why. You know, one in four state lawmakers last year, and we get a little of the statistic, statistic, one out of four state lawmakers who ran for re-election uh, faced no opponent in either the primary or the general election. So 25% of them, all they had to do was indicate that they wanted to run for re-election, and bingo, they were uh, re-elected. There because go. there was no real opposition. Right. So uh, you're saying the only way to change this, though, would to be to change the Constitution of, of New York State? Yes. Yes. Yes, but but, um, but Dick, a lot of, a lot of this is uh, rooted in the Constitution because uh, the Constitution gives uh, uh, control of our electoral process to the two um, main in, uh, main political parties, the Republicans and the Democrats, and they're equally um, uh, represented, and so that creates gridlock as opposed to resolution. And uh, so, any kind of improvement in our uh, voting processes has to have the support of both parties and. We know that it's very difficult for both parties to agree on election reform issues because uh, they see it as some of these reforms benefiting one party over the other. No, I think I think they agree 100 percent, and that is to keep the big parties in power. In other words, this committee yes, on I mean, vacancies, that, yeah, yeah, that's exactly. a perfect example uh, because 
whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you can use that system to pick your successor. And I think you put your finger on it, Dick, that the solution to this is simply to take control of the Committee on Vacancies, which is necessary in case a candidate were to die or legitimately leave office, uh, take that control of that committee away from the candidate who benefits from the levers of it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. No. Well, also, extending the filing deadline. Yeah. Or you could do that. Yeah. Well, that's that would work. I, I got to ask this one question that's been bugging me for years. Now, isn't it true that the way the political parties have power, their power is based in the number of members that they have, right? So, the Democratic Party in New York State has so many millions of members, right? The Republican yep. Party has so many millions, and that's what allows them to stay on the ballot. Is that is that correct? Yeah. So. Um, Every four years during the gubernatorial election, um, in order to be a party, political party that uh, achieves permanent ballot, ballot status for the next four years in all elections, you have to have your gubernatorial candidate get 50,000 votes on your party line. Uh-huh. So the Democrats get 50,000, you know, and any candidate for uh, uh, governor with the backing of the, Repro- or the Republican or the Democratic party gets on the uh, is guaranteed of having that this party so as long as they get those it doesn't matter who makes the vote yeah. who, who who actually pulls the pulls the lever right it's just as long as they get it on that line they they remain in power correct so, so for example I mean the working families party in order to be a uh, a party that has that has a ballot line uh, for every election they have to have had 50,000 people vote for their gubernatorial candidate on the working families no. party line full disclosure and the green party Full disclosure, Dick, I am a registered Democrat, and I often vote on the working family's line for governor uh, simply to keep that party line going. I'm not a supporter of the party necessarily, but I like Democratic choices. Yes, and, and it's, it's smart to do that because that what, you, what you are doing is ensuring uh, that another political party exists uh, and has ballot access for the next four years. But what's interesting is that you actually give greater um, outsized power to these small uh, third parties, as we call them, that they can control uh, much of uh, what happens on the left uh, because of the Working Families Party and the Conservative Party controls what happens uh, on the right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, many Republicans would not be elected to the state Senate, for example, uh, were it not for uh, dual endorsement by the Conservative Party because the Conservative Party gives them the, uh, the matching number that puts them over 50 percent. I got to say, same thing, same thing with some of the uh, Democrats. We're really getting we're we're really getting inside baseball here, Kersh. I just want well, to point we, that out. Dick, I know, I know. We're no, 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 no. We, we want that. We introduced this segment as saying this is our inside baseball show because when things like this Greenfield thing happen, people, voters like you, you're talking about. Well, why are New York City or New York, New York State voters turned off? Why is our turnout so low? This is why. This is why the inside baseball bullshit that these guys pull, and I use that term bullshit liberally, obviously not conservatively, but I'll whatever party you belong to. This is the the subtle chipping away of our democracy. Not it's not going to come in some sort of tyrannical power grab by Donald Trump. It comes in these little these little chip, the little chip. Now you just you just you just you just you presume something about New York voters that's not true. Oh, you said whatever political party you belong to. You realize that over a third of New York voters do not belong to any political party. Well said. Well said. That well would said. be me. That would yeah. be me, Dick. I am a, I am a registered independent. Yeah. Well said. I didn't no, mean I don't it. Not, not independent. Yeah. Independent. Yeah. There's an independence party. Yeah. No, I'm not part of the independence yeah. party. I'm a registered independent. No, you uh, have I'm registered affiliated. with no party. And I have no party affiliation. Uh, and I always and did that. I always did that because I thought that that would take power away from the parties. But now you're telling me no. It's it, it doesn't matter because if I vote for a Democrat, I basically gave them the power back. Yeah, but you also don't have uh, you don't have a vote necessarily in what is often the most determinative election in our city, and that is the Democratic Party primary. Right. right. For yes. the record, that's why I'm registered as a Democrat. For the record. Yeah. There you go. And, and, a lot of, and, and I think a lot of New Yorkers are registered as Democrats that would be unaffiliated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't imagine them being registered as Republicans, but are, would rather be unaffiliated. But they realize that they, if they're going to have a meaningful say in who the next mayor is, they, we have to vote in the Democratic Party primary. All right. Uh, now, Dick, we got to get out. But to continue the inside baseball thing, the last question I want to ask you, maybe the other guys have other questions, but... Because you started this segment by saying that uh, Councilman Greenfield acted in an egregious fashion, that's a, and that's a pretty strong word, What if I'm a voter in his district and I, I don't want to accept this egregious act, what do I do? i got nobody to vote for because the guy he's picked is going to win. There's nobody running against him. Should I just be out in front of this guy's house every day with a big banner that says, screw you? Yeah, no, you know, we still want to live in a civil society no okay. matter how okay. uncivil some of our elected officials may behave. Um, but 
what I would suggest is that, I mean, you can't do anything about this election. That's the sad thing. You uh. can't do anything about this election, but you shouldn't walk away. I mean, you should vote. Uh, you go to the uh, polls and write in a candidate. You have, you have the ability write to in? write in candidates. Wait, Gersh, wait, Gersh uh, can you run for this seat, Gersh? You could write in Gersh Kunzman. That's it. We're starting the Gersh Kunzman write-in campaign. Yeah. Um, I'll the move to Borough you know, yeah, Park. Don't just stop What do you there. think Gersh is chancellor? Uh, but Dave. to uh, really work to change the laws uh, yeah. so these kind of things don't happen in the future. Because I think people get upset and they get annoyed. Uh, they do something, one-off uh, one kind of activity, and then they walk away and they don't change the system. And that's what we need is for people to stay involved and change the system. So I take it the Citizens Union is uh, not on the fence about uh, changing the Constitution. And this year, when, we're, when New Yorkers are able to vote on actually uh, amending the Constitution or changing the, or rewriting the New York State Constitution, you guys are, are on board for getting that done, correct? That is correct. I mean, every 20 years, New York voters are asked this question, uh, should a state constitutional convention be held to amend uh, the Constitution is you know, the one part of is the only real part of direct democracy that we have, and uh, we haven't had a citizen call uh, state convention since 1938. Ugh. We hope that we can break that trend uh, this year because there's so much wrong with our processes of how our democracy operates. And this is there's just too a much corruption. There's too much money in politics, and there's too uh, in too many uncompetitive elections. And only New Yorkers can make that that change. Uh, we have this opportunity. We should seize it. And this Greenfield situation is just—it's just the latest example of of why we need to change the Constitution. Now, are you guys doing anything to promote this out there? Oh yeah, I, I, I just came out of a two-hour strategy meeting uh, uh, on this, and so we're we are uh, we've we've got, we've got a campaign launch, and we've got uh, things going on, and uh, we had a big event at Cooper Union last week. Uh, over 300 people attended. Uh, we've got a social media strategy. I mean, it's a website, all this stuff. Well, give us uh, the uh, yeah. give us the addresses of that social media so our listeners can tune in. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, 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 New York Constitution New York Constitution dot org. New York Constitution But last question, Dick, because Colin asked a very good question. I don't know if you heard. In all seriousness, if I were to run a write-in campaign in that neighborhood. Or or somebody more popular than me. I, I'm not that egotistical to think I'm the anyone. most popular guy. Any, pretty much anyone. Anyone. If one person emerged as the write-in candidate, is there any chance that that person could generate enough enthusiasm uh, from voters to actually win? Yes. I mean, if they ran a, a concerted campaign. But it's so difficult to uh, write in. <laughs> they even got this figured out. It's so difficult to uh, write in a candidate because it's not obvious how you do that. Mm -hmm. And it has to be done in a certain way. And if you make a mistake, your ballot's uh, null and void. Wow. Well, we have to teach everyone how to spell Gersh Kuntzman. G and you have to spell the name, write the name, the legal name of the, of the oh. candidate. You can't say, for example, my, my, my legal name is Richard Dady. You can't write Dick Dady because there's no Dick Dady in the polls and re registered as a voter. It's Richard Dady. Hmm. I mean, it's because a lot of voters know me by my porn name. That's a problem. Yeah. All right. Anyway, what name? <laughs> nothing, Dick. We're just we're just making fun of I my think name. I heard that. I just <laughs> wanted to be sure I heard it correctly. <laughs> Guys, if you're just joining us, we were talking. Unfortunately, Dick, you did. <laughs> we were talking to Dick Dady of Citizens Union, who is I, I got to say, for Dick, you were pretty alarmed by what David Greenfield did. I want to say you're you're vehemently opposed to what he's doing, which you called egregious earlier. I mean, yeah. it's, just, it's just it's a big, you know, um, fu to the voters. Well, that's it. That's stronger than what you said before. He's str it's very stronger. stronger. Yeah. All right, Dick Dady of Citizens Union, thank you for joining us. And if you want to tune in to all his efforts, you said it was NewYorkConstitution.org or NYConstitution.org? Uh, it's NYConstitution.org. NYConstitution. Um, we need a constitution. Yeah, and just, just, you, know, just uh, you can Google you know, New York Constitution uh, campaign or something like that, and you'll get a, you'll get a bunch of yeah, Just okay? Google it. Yeah, just go, Google Dick Dady, and you will see what a good job he has done for the voters. Dick, oh, you're too kind. Well, no, no, no. Listen, Citizens Union, i got to say, it's one of the few groups I give money to. It's you and the NY, the ACLU, I'm a card-carrying member, and I gotta say, the, the little um, dog shelter near my house, because they do a lot of good work. I don't so, give money to anybody, Dick. Nobody. Right. <laughs> Dick Dady, thank you for joining us, and again, nyconstitution.org, go there. Colin Mixon, thanks for joining us, Dick. Thank thanks you so as much. well. We gotta thank pay you some guys. bills. I hope, to, I hope you'll be back some other time, too. Always. Oh, always, always. always, always, always welcome. Thank we you. gotta pay some bills. Colin, thank you All for joining right. us, but uh, you. before you run, Colin, let me ask oh, you a quick question. Oh, oh, before you run. Oh, oh. Colin. Take it down. Yeah, what's up? Take it down. Take it down. Take it down. There you go. Take, Take it, it down. down. All right. So, Colin, I got to ask you the tough question. Am I, do I still sound choppy? No, now I sound better. I thought I sounded very choppy during that interview. A little choppy. All right. Colin, Gersh, go. Colin, how old are you? I'm 29. 2089? 2089. 29. 29. Oh, that's old. 2089. 29. 29. Well, yeah. you look great. 
but you're not always going to look great. And someday no. you're going to be really old. Now, you don't have kids, do you? No. Okay. Not well, ever. when you have not kids, yet, when you have kids, because I think you're not a good-looking guy. Oh, you're not going to have kids? No. That's no... Well, maybe Village Caramex isn't for you. No, I think it is. because Even more so. Yeah, if you don't have because kids. Because he'll, he'll just become like a, 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 what do you call it, the state. Like yeah, the state will be in charge of him. a ward of the state. A ward of the state. Uh-huh. So when you turn like 75 and you don't have kids, you're going to be yes. like sitting in your home one day and you're like, ah! And you're going to want to stay in your home, which means you're going to want some doctor to come and help you. Well, that's You don't want the state to put you in some other home that you don't want to be in. Like an no. institution. Probably so not. you're going to call Village Caramex now while you're still young and smart. Okay, before you, the dementia kicks in, like in your case, probably in a couple Probably years. my next call. So, yeah. and the phone number is 800-469-6292. The reason you make that call is because Village Caremax is going to let you stay in your home. It's a Medicaid managed care plan. Wow. Yeah, because you don't want to be put in a home. Village Caremax, live the life you want to live. 1-800-469-6292. Got to live that life. Thanks, You're welcome. How are your teeth, Colin? Uh, they're good. I take care. I got a cavity back in the back here, uh-huh. but uh, I don't need a lot of sugar, so it's not. I think that's another. Is that another wives' tale that the sugar destroys your teeth? No, sugar is bad for your teeth. It's just yeah. bad for your teeth. Yeah, but in fact, but you know who I could really ask about that? You could ask someone. I could ask Doctor Joseph Lichter. And the other question I would ask you is, when was the last time you saw a quality dentist who was Whoa, truly affordable? It's been a while. There you go. That's why you need to call uh, Dr. Lichter. Because Dr. Lichter's state-of-the-art dentistry is offered at extremely reasonable prices. So that anyone, even Colin Mixon, with no health insurance or anything, can afford to get the smile that he deserves. Let's talk about bleaching. You smoke still? Uh, Only on rare occasions. Okay, so you're still smoking and you're still drinking coffee? Lots of coffee? Yeah, all all the time. I can tell. I can tell. And that's why you can go to Dr. Joseph Lichter for the Zoom bleaching. Mm -hmm. $395 out-of-pocket expense. No problem. You get it done. That's good. Now, you said you had that tooth in the back. It had a little cavity. Uh, Yeah. If that tooth ever, God forbid, falls out, you don't want that to happen. But if it does, you go to Dr. Joseph Lichter, puts in an implant there. Mm Twelve. The implant sound. That was the implant sound. Do that sound again. Well, well, to me that sounds more like the golf sound. But okay. I don't know. It's something. Yeah. So you get that implant put in, and that's better than any fake tooth, or, or you know, they put in those. Well, no, it is a fake tooth. It's an implant. No, no, but it's better. It's better than the ones that just kind of sit on top, like you a mean bridge. like a denture, a bridge or a denture. Or something no, no, like that. an implant goes right into the bone into of the your jaw. jaw. It actually yeah. works. You can actually chew things. That's so worth the twelve fifty. Mm-hmm. And then they got Invisalign. Let me see that smile. He's okay. He's got good teeth there. But you don't need the Invisalign. But if you did, you'd go to Lichter because Lichter's got it for thirty nine ninety five, and you wouldn't even see it. It would just look like your smile. So mm-hmm. you got to give Dr. Joseph Lichter a call at 718-339-7878. He is located out there in Midwood at 1420 Avenue P. He's on the second floor. Just remember Dr. Joseph Lichter, the official dentist wow. of the WNHL's uh, New York River. You know, he pays He pays for a one-minute ad. We give him like four minutes every week. I so, do the best so I can for Lichter. I love Colin, him that much. Colin Thanks, Mixon, you have done great work on this uh, Greenfields drive. I do want Thanks, you to go Gersh. out there and start the Gersh Kunstman write-in campaign. I think, I know, yeah. That I think puts you in an awkward position. That was actually, I was, had the same idea. We should find a candidate. Well, I, you're looking at him. You're looking at J- Jimmy. Can you put up a picture of Colin? Do you live in the 44th the district? Yeah, I think you have to live. No, you're you talking about not. you're talking about getting a job. That's the job for you. You get a job as a, uh, a councilman. As a councilman. Yeah. And you put me on staff as I don't know what would I be for you. You'd be an aide. No, <laughs> I'd be more than an aide. <laughs> you'd be my political. You'd be my muscle. No, I would be. I'd be right next to you. You'd yeah, be my political and hatchet I, you man. Could, and you could pay me more than you. So it would be just like now. <laughs> All right, Colin, it's like great nothing seeing changes. you. Great Thanks seeing so you. Get out of here. All right, that was Colin Mixon, everybody. Great job. And actually asked the tough questions, namely, should Gersh Kunstman run? And the answer is, obviously, I am in it to win it. You got it. All right, we got to get out. Now, this next segment of our Inside Baseball edition is actually about baseball. It's actual Inside Baseball. We are going to reach out to former Cyclones manager, and he managed him during the good days, Tom Gamboa. Well, the thing about Gamboa, Gamby, as we like to call him, was that he was the longest tenured Cyclones manager. He did three full seasons. Nobody's come close. Well, we told him we'd call it 517. It is exactly 517. When we reached out to him for a pre-interview, he said he was on the golf course. He said he was through five holes at par. Now, I'm thinking he's probably only playing nine because he's ready for our phone call. I'm you think that's a right pitch now. and putt? What do you think that is? We'll have to ask him. Don't steal this number because this, no, this, this is Gamby's home number or cell phone. 
You're going to speak to him because you Number. you know this guy better than I do. Even what though are you I talking am... about? He he loves you. He does. He did like me. He does. Can we you hear? Know him? He's fluent in Spanish. All right, let's try that again. <laughs> Can we try that again, Johnny? He's fluent. In... He's managed many teams in the minor leagues, Gersh. Well, that's where the, the Spanish help. How do you pronounce this? The Copper Kings? Where are they from? The Butte Copper Kings. It's just Butte. That's a Butte, eh? That's a Butte. He's play. He uh, managed the uh, Paintsville Brewers, the Beloit Brewers. The Stockton Ports, the Bristol Tigers. How about this? Manage the Toledo Mudhens. Toledo Mudhens are a triple-A team? Triple-A. All right, so we're having a little trouble reaching out to Gambo. You keep talking, Vince. I am. He's also... I, I did dial nine. Yeah, no, he did I dialed didn't. nine. He didn't. I dialed nine. The Albuquerque Dukes. Back I like in the 2000. Dukes. Arkansas Travelers. Now, were the Arkansas Travelers, were they one of the teams? No, it was the Tourists in Bull Durham. Yeah. The, na- yeah, the, the Asheville Tourists. That's a real team. Yeah, the Asheville Tourists, yes. Palm Springs Power. There we go. I you, like that. You, you start in with them. Turn it up and bring the noise. Make sure you can hear me. That's a, see now that sounds great. I don't know why it didn't sound good before. Maybe he's on the back nine. Could be. That'd be weird. You think it's a pitch and putt? No, it's got to be a par three. That's a pitch and putt. <laughs> I know. Wow, I think I'm running for council. I think you should. Hi, this is Tom Gamboa. Sorry, Jesus. I can't take your call right now. You can't take our call right message now. Message is the sound of the tone. <laughs> That's going to be awkward. I'll return your call. Should we leave a message? Yeah, I'd like to leave a message. Thanks. Goodbye. At the tone, please record no, your message. message. I mean, when you I'll leave a message. Okay, sure. Leave a message. Hang up sure. Or press one for more options. Oh, he's calling us back. Just hit the flash button. Hit flash. No, stay. Don't touch that. Just hit flash. Is that Tom Gamboa? Hello, Tom. You didn't hang up on him, did you? I might have. Well, we're having some technical difficulties. Uh, listen. Why don't you call him? We've been through this before. Uh, I'm so hungry. I'm going to hit flash. Hello? Tom Gamboa. Is Tom Gamboa there? Hey, Tom Gamboa. Hit flash again. Tom Gamboa. Yeah. Wow, this is the greatest show we've ever done. You want to just start over again? I'm going to try. Let's start over again. Drop the call. Oh, that hurt. That really hurt. You got it? Yeah, let's do it again. I'll dial. There we go. Oh, no. Okay, here we go. He's, he's going he's gonna to pick up now. Well, now he's going to pick up, yeah. Because he knows we called. Because on the he's caller call ID. on the cell phone. On the caller ID, it comes in as... Brooklyn Paper Radio. You got that? See, once you do that, I, I lose myself. You start. Hey, is that Tom Gambo? Tom, hold on one second. It's Vince DiMaselli from Brooklyn Paper Radio. Can you hear me, sir? Yeah, um, yeah we... it's a little breezy. I, I, I can hear you. All right. Did we get you at the right time? Yeah, well, <laughs> I think we have a mix-up on the times. I was thinking that you were talking 515 my time, but I guess obviously you were thinking 515 your time. So wait, where are you, Tom Gamboa? Well, that's okay. I, I'm on the golf course, but that's okay. <laughs> well, you said you were, you, were, you were at par through five, and I thought, well, maybe he's just playing nine holes. No, but, but, we're, but we're, we're, we're good. This is, this is, this is fine. I'm, I'm with, actually, I'm with friends today, and uh, it's, it's kind of a practice round. <laughs> I, guess it's, I guess it was my fault for not clarifying the, whether we were talking East Coast or Pacific Coast time. Well, it's perfectly okay. You're out there on the Pacific Coast having a great round of golf. We're going to let the next foursome play through while we just chat for just a couple of minutes about our favorite topic, baseball. All right, that's fine with me. There you go. So now you've got a new book coming out, and I wanted to start with that. So can you tell us a little bit about the book? Just give us like the three-minute breakdown of what it's all about, and then we'll get into stories and stuff like that. Okay. Well, as, as you know, managing the Brooklyn Cyclones the last three years, we because it's New York and Brooklyn, uh, we had like five different newspapers cover us. And one of the young writers, a young guy named David Russell, kept badgering me about writing a book and i told him i couldn't write a paragraph let alone a book but he wanted to write a book and he said you know with you having over 40 years in baseball you must have a ton of stories and i said i do and my family and friends like them but i said i'm not anybody famous nobody would ever read it and bottom line is he badgered me for about a good six months and finally talked me into letting him turn his tape recorder on and i gave him two hours and he sent it to a publisher, and the next thing I knew, I got a call from a publisher, and 
North Carolina, and they said that they were going to send us a contract that they were interested. And uh, so basically for a year, about one or two hours a week, David turned his tape recorder on, asked me questions. And so basically it's a, it's a story uh, called My Life in Baseball by Tom Gamboa, but it, it's, it's more for baseball fans what a life in baseball was like and having worked for 11 different organizations during my career and, and scouting for 10 years, you know, I got an opportunity to see people like Sean Dunstan and Barry Bonds when they were in high school from a scouting standpoint, projecting what they were going to do on down the road. And, and then, of course, when I went into development, I managed at every level from rookie league to low A, high A, double A, triple A, and was fortunate enough to have a pennant-winning team at every level, including seven of my ten years of winter ball in Latin America. And so it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of baseball stories that baseball fans, I think, would find interesting. Uh, one of my years in Puerto Rico, I got to manage Ken Caminiti before America knew who he was. He was a triple-A player in the Houston Astros organization, and, and uh, you know, he was vital in leading us to a championship into the Caribbean World Series down in Puerto Rico. And then, of course, in my big league tenure, I was fortunate enough to be the third base coach for the Cubs in the late 90s. And in the 98 season, particularly, when Terry Wood struck out 20, when Sammy mm-hmm. Sosa hit 66 home runs, uh, you know, us being in a wild card race, which we beat the Giants in a one-game playoff to get in. It's, it's stories from somebody that was in the dugout rather than in the stands on kind of the insides about baseball. And uh, so uh, I was surprised that the publisher wanted to publish it because, like I say, the people that know me, my family and friends, have always been interested in the stories, but apparently they felt that, that it had enough interest for baseball fans in general. And so we'll see what happens. So it's supposed to, this supposed to come out in the fall. There's got to be one nugget that you could share with them. I mean, something had to grab their attention. Was there? Is there any like specific little story, maybe a little nugget you could you could... Uh... Well, yeah, I think, well, one of the things that interested me my whole life was that I, I knew when I was 10 I was going to spend my life in baseball. That was my, my passion. And when I was in high school, the, the brothers at the, uh, that taught at the Catholic high school that I attended, they had season ticket box seats to Dodger games. And so as a high school senior, I sat in the first row behind home plate on September 9th of 1965 and watched Sandy Koufax throw a perfect game against the Chicago Cubs. And 20, 33 years later in 98, Billy Williams was my locker mate. Wow. And and, and uh, when Kerry Wood struck out 20, Mark Grace was running up and down the clubhouse saying, we all got to see the greatest game ever pitched. Uh-huh. And Billy Williams, Billy Williams calmly turned around and he said, Gracie, this might have been the second best. <laughs> and I, t- I turned to Billy and I said, I was at that game. Mm-hmm. I was at the game you're referring to when Koufax threw a no-hitter. I mean, a perfect game. I said, what was that like? And Billy's a very humble guy. He looked at me and he said, Tommy, he said, you know, I was a pretty damn good player when I played. I said, no shit, you're in the Hall of Fame. You hit 426 home runs. And he said, I actually had some good days against Koufax, but he said, that night, nobody has ever lived that will throw a baseball harder than that man did. He said, we were hopelessly overmatched to the point that I said that facing him that night was like trying to drink your morning cup of coffee with a fork. That's how much chance we had of hitting him. And two years later, I was managing the Dodgers AAA team in Albuquerque, and one night when Lasorda was telling stories around the commissary after dinner, Claude Osteen jumped in, and he told about the best game he ever saw pitched. And I knew right away it was going to be a third perspective on the same game. And listening to Claude say that that in the last six outs, Koufax told uh, Jeff Torborg, who was catching him, "Don't no signs for these last six hitters. If someone's going to get a hit off me, they're going to earn it. And, and, and Torborg said, Sandy, i got to mix in a curveball once in a while just to keep them off balance. And Sandy says, if you want me to change speeds, we'll change off my fastball. I'm going to start adding to it. And, and Osteen said, I never saw a human being, including Bob Gibson, ever throw as hard as what he was throwing. And now he was saying he was going to add to it. Wait, hold on. And he, struck, 
and he struck out the last six guys in a row of that game. And it was all it was all fastballs. Yeah, yeah. That's hard to believe because you think at some point someone would literally just get a fastball that he could hit. Yeah, well, he his ball rose. I mean, they, they, I know these scientists say a ball can't rise, but his <laughs> his did. I mean, it was for people that are old enough in my age bracket in their sixties and seventies to have watched him throw. It, it it really was incredible. I mean, when you look at his statistics from sixty one to sixty six. I don't know that anybody has ever matched. I mean, we're talking about striking out 383, I believe, mm-hmm. one year. Yeah. You know, throw, throwing over 250 innings in a four-man rotation and have, having records like 27 and 5. Yeah. Now, just, just so you know, Tom, I, I'm a Jew, and I grew up with a, a, a Brooklyn Dodger fan as a father. He always talks about Koufax this, Koufax that. I always used to point out the first six seasons of Koufax's career were very mediocre. So what happened? Was it the, the, the pepper spray that he used to put on his arm, they say? What, what, how did he just turn no, it around? No. Uh, actually, I, I believe that, that he gave the credit to Johnny Roseboro that, that Koufax threw so hard, much like a legendary guy with the Orioles named Steve Dalkowski that mm-hmm. Earl Weaver used to r- r- mention in his book that could throw a ball through the backstop screen, but he couldn't find home plate. Mm. But Roseboro, Roseboro told Koufax that he didn't need to max out in his delivery, and he wanted him to try to hit the, his two pitching fingers on his left hand. He he wanted him to try to to literally scrape the dirt in his follow through, so that he was bend his back and throw downhill because he used to miss high so much. And all of a sudden, once he found it, Dolan Ryan was much the same way. He was very wild mm. early in his career with. As many with, walks with as strikeouts. With the Mets, yeah. Once yeah. both guys found it, they, they ended up having pinpoint control. And, of course, with their phenomenal stuff, they both became legendary Hall of Famers and put up amazing statistics. But Sandy was the best that I ever saw in, in my lifetime. And, 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 and then having worked for the Dodgers and getting to beat him in Dodger Town, what a humble, nice gentleman that he is, too. I mean, just... Just he's like your like your next door neighbor. You'd never know what he did unless you asked him about it. Well, that's what happens when you grow up in Brooklyn. So, apparently, you wrote an entire uh, chapter or so on on the on on Sandy. But uh, you did spend some time with the with the Cyclones. You were the longest tenured Cyclones manager. Do you did you write anything about those days? Uh, yeah, there's a few things about the about the you know I, I was actually retired and Paul D. Podesta who was a vice president at San Diego when I worked with him with the Padres, Paul had called me back in 14. And uh, to tell you the truth, I didn't even hesitate. I, I, I told him I was flattered that he called me, but I had been retired for two years and was loving retirement. I, I love golf as much as baseball. And so, uh, uh, you know, I, I said, I, thanks, but no thanks. And he said, well, I'm going to let you think about it for a week because I'm going to call you back. And when he did... Uh, I think my competitive juices and the fact that I was uh, so flattered and respectful of him, uh, I went and did it, and I'm glad I did because Brooklyn is a – I mean, I had never spent much time in New York other than when I was with the Cubs and the Royals, and we used to come in and once in a while get an off day and I'd get a chance to see a Broadway musical. But as far as living there, uh, right in Brooklyn and getting a chance to really see and experience the city of Manhattan and Brooklyn – uh, in the summertime, oh my gosh, it was a fantastic experience. And we have a beautiful ballpark uh, there at MC Metropolitan Credit Union Ballpark. And uh, I, I, I enjoy every, well, I enjoyed it to the point that I did it for three years before I decided to retire for good. So you know, it was a great experience. You know, the good thing about you, Gamby, is um, you left the Cyclones before. The, they, I don't know if you've been back to the stadium, but there's like a stench in that stadium now. And it's the team this year. What is going on with the Cyclones? They stink without you. And I, you could, you're retired. You can say whatever you want to say. Well, I, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I didn't follow the draft. I don't know. Well, I don't know whether the Mets went for position players or pitching or a combination or, or what have you. But uh, you know, as I, I left Fonzie a message a few days ago. They, they pulled out a nice three to two win over State College, which always the Cardinals always have a good team, and I. I didn't get a chance to talk to Fonz, but I left him a message congratulating him on that particular win. 
And I said, hey, just hang in there. I know you're off to a rough start. I think they're 7-20 and 20 oh. as of today. But I, I, I said, you can only manage the talent that you got and just stay positive, as I'm sure you and your coaches will. And the goal, especially at the rookie league level, is to get the players better. So hopefully what I'm counting on is I follow them every day. I'm hoping that the second half that they improve and, and pick up the winning percentage. Wow. So I, I, I'm kind of shocked that you actually are still following the team, but it's it's good to hear that you're doing it. And you should, of course, be reading about all the games in the only place you can, which is brooklynpaper.com. That, that was a little plug there, Gamby. Yep. I know that the Vince and I were talking earlier – at the minor league level, I know the team is 7-20, and 20, but as a manager, your job is just to make the players improve as individuals even more than as a team, right? I mean, it's losing a game may not matter if, if, a, if the players are getting better. That, that, that's exactly right. I mean, it, it basically, I at the minor league level, it's a combination of you're trying to build team chemistry, and since you're going to be together for three months, it's always more fun when you're winning. But at the same time, it's an individual development trying to get players ready for the next level. And it's a credit to the manager and the coaching staff anytime a player in midseason gets promoted to the next level because that means he's accomplished what the organization wanted where he's at, and it's time for him to move up. All right, now I got it. And, uh, you know, I was going to say, I, I follow all the Met teams because in my three year tenure, I've got players at every level that I manage from the big leagues uh, where Conforto is at, and hopefully Rosario is going to be there, I'm hoping, any day, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and all the way through AAA, AA, and on down. So it, it's, it's fun to follow their progress. So, Gamby, I was in the owner's box at City Field last night. I don't want to tell you how I got in, but it was uh, quite a harrowing ordeal. Anyway, I was sitting with Jeff Wilpon, and I said to Jeff, you got to bring Tebow, Tim Tebow, of course, to Brooklyn. And he said to me, well, that would be a demotion for Tebow because he's in the full season A. But you know, as a manager at the Cyclones level, that's actually a promotion. He'd be playing before 6,000 people every night, screaming fans. Should, should the Mets, at this point, give Tebow a couple of months in Brooklyn, season him up? A cup of coffee in Brooklyn, if you will. Well, uh, all, all of us that are partial to Brooklyn, and certainly the front office, I have no doubts that... Uh, uh, that, that Steve and Kevin uh, running the club would would have loved for him to come there because it's already, uh, you know, I followed him uh, at Columbia, and my gosh, they were drawing five, six, seven thousand a game the first half when he was playing at Columbia before they moved him up to. Uh, but but at his age, at near thirty, uh, you know, Jeff is right. You know, you, you don't want to be sending him backwards for publicity's sake and to get big crowds in Brooklyn when their goal is to try to see how far they can push him upwards this year. And and of late, I saw, I saw the other night where he hit a game a walk-off home run at Port St. Lucie, and uh, gosh, I think he's driven in uh, 12 runs in like the 14 games that he's played there or something. So, you know, he, he's being productive, and, and, he, and it's bringing people into the ballpark. But, it, but you're right, it's too bad that, that maybe – at the very beginning of the season that he couldn't have played there for a, a, a couple of weeks. I have no doubts they would have they would have drawn nine, ten thousand people a game had he played there. But it's too bad. I mean the churches alone would have would have bust people in there. <laughs> You're probably right. There you You're go. probably right. All right. All right, well Gamby, we gotta let you go. We appreciate you coming on. So your book is coming out later uh this year. It's going to be yeah, called. In the fall. It's going to be called yep. Tom Gamboa: My Life in Baseball. It's written with former Brooklyn paper reporter David Russell. He did work That's for right. us. He was doing that on our dime, so uh, we're happy to play a part in that. And uh, we'll be in touch uh, every time we need to talk about the Cyclones. You're the guy we're going to give a call to because we know okay. you're keeping a sharp eye out on him. And uh, good luck in your golf game out there. Okay, thanks, guys. I'm sorry I mixed up on the time, but uh, we, I'm we, glad we uh, we connected. Thanks for having me. Just, All right, just keep okay. your head down. Just oh, keep your head down. Bye bye. <laughs> All right, but the, you know he should. We should have gotten some golf tips from Gamboa because I at this <laughs> that's point, our next show. That's our inside golfing show. Gosh. All right, we got to get out, Vince. I don't know if you're aware. After the show, usually J- Jimmy, you don't know this because we don't let you come with us. But Vince and I always have a drink, and you know where we're going tonight, Vince? Where are we headed? We are going. To the Brooklyn Pizza Crew at Bergen. That's right. A pie-only outpost with Nino Coniglio. 
He's going to toast us with some beer and some pizza, and next week we're going to have him on the show. That's how it works. You give us pizza, you're on the show. It's really that simple. In this case, usually it's the Brooklyn Paper Radio Bounce. This, In this case, he's given us the bounce, and then we're going to put him on the show. So we got to get out. We want to thank our sponsors, of course, Village Care Max and Dr. Joseph Lichter, who's like the greatest dentist ever and uh-huh. cheap. Uh-huh. Vince, you're a handsome man. I'm Gilly, Gersh Kunstman. We got to thank Gilly. We got to thank uh, Colin Mixon. And, sure. of course, our producer, Jimmy. And Dick Dady of Citizens Union, Tom Gamboa, former manager of the Cyclones. We're going to play us out with a little of that Jimmy and the Revolvers music. No, that's the uh, that's not Jimmy. Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> well, goodbye, everybody.